This episode was produced in partnership with American Express. It's quite vulnerable putting something out to the world and saying, hey, I'm doing this thing and it might not work. Once I did let go, the irony was the business grew. I was holding on so tightly that I was actually strangling it and strangling mm. its potential. And it's thriving and it feels really good to say that. Comparison is the thief of joy. I think when you put the blinkers on yourself a little bit, you thrive so much in your own lane. There's so much work for everyone. Mm. You don't need to be competing or watching what they're doing. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfillment along the way. Welcome back, beautiful people. This episode has been a long time coming, but I finally sat down with my wonderful manager and absolute girl boss, Genevieve Day, founder of her own trailblazing agency, Day Management. If you've ever wondered about how things work in influencer land, we cover it all in this episode right back from those very early days when the market was emerging and Jen saw an opportunity to jump right in, leaving her PR career behind to start her own business. From one sole talent on her books to now a whole day management family, including Nick and myself, Jen has pioneered, pivoted and paved the way for incredible partnerships, campaigns and careers. There's a lot about her way TA that even I hadn't heard before and plenty of behind the scenes nuggets about everything from self-doubt and the skeptics being so young and successful to buying the whole office building when things took off financially. I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Let me know if I'm too loud or too close. <laughs> or not loud enough. I don't know. You're the perfect amount of love, oh, babe. Thank you. I've heard that before. I'm so excited about this one. Guys, Jen is my amazing manager. Couldn't do anything in our careers without her. She also manages Nick. She also manages a team of incredible, incredible talent. And it's an honor to be part of Day Management, her beautiful company. We have so much to cover today. Oh my, oh God. my gosh. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I just can't believe it took us so long. <laughs> I know. It's been a little while, but here we are. We've just been hustling. We've been very busy. Very busy. <laughs> so busy. <laughs> so as you know, before we kick off, first question is, what is the most down-to-earth thing about you? To cut through that glossy surface that social media can create and even though you are so wonderful at putting us all in the spotlight and never championing yourself the way that you should, yeah. it's still from the outside you know, the agency can look really glossy and all the things that we go <laughs> to, you know, what's something really relatable about you? Yeah, it's quite a funny question, I think, for myself because I'm like, oh, I am the most down-to-earth person in the equation of like wonderful, Everyone glossy <laughs> in talent. our family. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think I'm really down-to-earth. I feel like I'm just obsessed with watching The Office and Best like show. Yeah. US or UK, which one? I love the US one and I'm now obsessed oh. with the podcast, The Office Ladies. Stop is, it. Yeah. And they like do a rewatch and they talk about fun facts on set. No. So I'm like obsessed with TV fun facts, which is really dorky when no, you say great. it like that. But yeah, it's very down to earth, I think. <laughs> Your face just then was like, am I saying this? Yeah. I was like, can I go again? <laughs> 
No, that's amazing. You know that's play DA. I yeah, love that exactly. so much. <laughs> okay, so way TA. Mm-hmm. Tell us about young Jen and what you were like as a child with a dad as a doctor, mum as a teacher. Oh, the research. Canterbury, Victoria from Strathcona School. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know they really encourage a strong work ethic in you, which obviously has continued to this day. Yeah. What did you want to be? What were you like? Oh, I think, yeah, as a kid, I was a bit of a oxymoron because I was like <laughs> really studious, but also really like rebellious and a bit of a brat. But I also oh, yeah. loved being involved in school and activities. And I was in the musical and singer of the jazz band. And, and dance captain. As dance captain, of course, everyone knows that about me. It gets weaved into every interview. My Absolutely. friends are like, let it die. It's a key fact. <laughs> yeah. It's a key fact. Guys, at our wedding, <laughs> oh, no. Jen just got back into dance captain mode. And on the dance floor, it wasn't just like we were all dancing, you know, to normal, <laughs> normal dance moves. Jen was like cabaret, like mm. stage musical vibes. Yeah, Georgia Love and I thought it'd be really funny if we just went really camp and then we realized that it was just us doing that and everyone else was dancing normally but we looked great I think think you looked great there's lots of photo evidence thank god (laughs) I'm blushing a little bit um but yeah I was kind of a bit of a contrast as a kid I was outgoing but I also was a bit of an anxious child and my parents joked that I was just born anxious like I came out of the womb anxious oh yeah I feel that yeah and like (laughs) as a toddler like what do you have to be worried about like oh. where your snacks coming from next? Like yeah. that was, I was cool. It was covered. Um, you would have been like, how do I like commercialize this opportunity? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was super weird. And I was always really like stressed out as a kid. I was stressed really? in crowds and like traveling and change really worried me. And it was, it's quite funny looking back. I'm like, geez, young Jen needs to chill. She needs to calm down. So I think, yeah, it was a bit of that, but I also was, yeah, a little bit of a brat, which sounds awful. But no, I like that. I have apologized to my parents now as an adult. I'm like, I'm so sorry about teenaged <laughs> Jen as well. We all had, I think, a phase that we desperately need to apologize for. Yeah. That's part of growing up. I like that. Totally. And I think, so I'm the youngest as two of us. I have one older sister and she kind of was like just the perfect the perfect sister. She was so beautiful and so wonderful at school and was so well behaved. And so I thought that was an opportunity for me to be the opposite. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I I like, yeah, it's definitely a younger sibling thing. Yeah. I had to find my (laughs) own voice and my own space. And that wanted to be distant to what she was doing, which meant not being good at school and not being, yeah, the perfect child. Mm. Um, And then I kind of balanced out at like 15, 16. So it kind of went one end of the spectrum to the other and then became a better person around like you did. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why we get along. I was exactly the same. Like, yeah. Until like you, yeah, 11 and 12 when I kind of became a good person again. I don't yeah. know what happened in the middle there. <laughs> I think I, there was like two distinct moments that I can kind of remember that had a big play in this. And one of them is much more substantial than the other one. And so the the first one, I had this wonderful teacher in year 10 and she kind of pulled me aside because I was like sitting in the back row and talking heaps and handing in homework late and just not really caring. Mm. And she kind of pulled me aside and I got a B on some homework in English. <gasps> I know. And she was like, hey, what's this? I'm like, oh, that's a good grade. That's fine. And she kind of thought, well, no, you, you're quite good. Like you shouldn't be getting this. No more bees from you. Yeah. And I'd never really heard that before. I'd never really had someone say like, hey, you're quite special or you've got something in you to push a little bit more. Everyone kind of was letting me slide. And yeah, it was interesting because obviously my parents were pushing me 
um, or encouraging me, I should say. And so having that person be like, hey, you have talent here and you've got potential, like what are you doing just cruising? Mm. And so that was a really big factor for me as small and probably a fleeting moment in her memory of that day. It kind of showed me, okay, well, maybe I should give this a go. And so it kind of turned a lot of things around in my studies. And then I went on to, yeah, doing really well in year 12. And like I won the humanities prize at school. And oh, I really, I know, I kind of <laughs> fell in love with it again. Yeah. And I think the other thing that happened at that age, which I'm sure your research has shown as well, um, it was, yeah, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was mm. in year 10. And she, is alive and well and fabulous, which I always like to add when telling this story. Yeah. But I think that really straightened me out as well. Puts things in perspective. And For sure. You pull your head in. And even like I was watching the Taylor Swift documentary and Taylor and I have so much in common, but she was Besties. saying, of course. I, I knew that. I was going to ask you that next. <laughs> yeah. She was kind of saying when her mum was sick, it just kind of, yeah, realigned all of her priorities mm. in her world as well. And I really related to that. It kind of shows you everything that you're worried about or being a brat about doesn't matter mm. anymore. Mm. And so I became a lot more, I think, empathetic and just kinder. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, those two things kind of aligned with me. And then it was just onto bigger and better things after that. I love that so much. Just a reminder that there are so many moments in your life that might seem fleeting and irrelevant to the other person who was in the equation. Mm. And years later when you tell them, remember that huge conversation? Yeah. They're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But there are so many times in most of our lives that are sliding doors moments like that where you're like, yeah. but for that tiny 20-second conversation, I would maybe not have turned myself around, but that's all it takes. And yeah. I kind of think what I want this podcast to be in people's ears is some just for them to hear one tiny thing that acts as a sliding doors moment of like, it could be different. Yeah. Oh, I could totally change right now because of some small stimulus that no one else will remember. For it doesn't sure. have to be a big thing. It can be, obviously, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, and I felt those two moments are so different in their weight yeah. of that year. Yeah. Like one was just tiny, one was quite big for me at the time, but they both had almost equal effect, Yeah, which is crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so you went on with your incredible ATAR to do a Bachelor of Media and Comms at RMIT. Correct. And, I and it was Enterscore back then because I'm old now. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, mine too. Yeah. I know. I'm like ATAR. Like I don't even know. Yeah, that's just a translation that. for the kids of today. Yeah. <laughs> God, we're so old. Um, and I loved reading that because it just aligns with everything I know about you that, you know, you had no plan B. Mm -hmm. You basically didn't put any other preferences down except arts law, which, again, I love because <laughs> we're the same person. Yeah. Um, but also because that just shows kind of the level of drive and determination that you've had in everything before and everything since in your life that you're just like, no, I know what I want to do. I don't need backup plans. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give myself that safety net. I'm just going to go for it. So... What helped you firstly decide that that degree was the right one? Mm -hmm. And then at that time, what did you think that would lead to? Did you ever conceive that it would end up where you are now? Yeah, I had no idea that I would be here. I had no idea. Well, firstly, this job didn't exist, yes. which is also <laughs> Key a, yeah, a you know, handy tidbit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I just was really passionate about having a plan, whatever that plan might be, I wanted to have a plan mm. and I wanted that to be my forever plan. And so when I was choosing what to do next, I kind of asked around a few people and a few contacts and I did my work experience at a PR firm. The one you ended up at? Yes. Hatching communication. Yeah. For six whole years I worked there. So I called their founder when I got my HR 
And I kind of said to her, here's what I think I want to do. I think I want to do what you do. And she gave me some advice and she said, go to RMIT and come work for me. So I did both at the same time. And I started out as like a little intern and I was 18 when I first went in there and we worked on the Moomba Festival and I had like my triple A access pass and <laughs> I thought I was so cool just like getting coffees and I was like sorry guys I'm actually working this long weekend at the Moomba Festival. It's really and I've got a triple A pass. Yeah so. and it was the year that like Ruby Rose was the queen of Moomba again showing how long ago this was <laughs> and I think Mick Malthouse was the king and we had to like get all their media interviews um, for the parade and it was quite an exciting thing to start out at. Mm. Um, and so she, yeah, my boss there instructed me that RMIT is the best course. She was like, go, go to there if you can. And so I went into that media comms degree and it was quite a small group of people. They accepted like a hundred, which wow. isn't very many. Yeah. And out of that, maybe three boys. Um, nice. yeah, good ratio <laughs> Yeah, was gonna, for the boys for sure. <laughs> yeah. So it was a great industry to kind of get into at that level as well. And now they've all gone on to do such cool things. And I have mm. a lot of um, yeah, contact with people who I went to uni with and they're now really high up at PR firms or in media and advertising. So it was really nice to see that, I guess, at the grassroots level. Mm. But, yeah, I loved RMIT. I found it so different than school, which obviously university is. But, like, every factor that made me good at school made me bad at uni. <laughs> it's a bigger transition, I think, than you're really ready for. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to prepare. And I mean, how can you prepare school kids for it? There's just yeah. no way to open your mind until you get there and you're just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think as well, like, because I, I was doing this work part-time on the side at an actual PR agency and then I would go to uni and they were like, here's how you write a media release. And I'm like, dude, I did this yesterday at work and I sent yeah. it out. Like, I'm doing this already. So I kind of, I was still passionate about learning you know, the tricks of the trade there, but I was already implementing it. Yeah, which so, would have been a weird dynamic because I think so many people study and then do it all in theory before they ever have to think about it in practice. So yeah. it wouldn't be so kind of like, wait, what? I'm, I'm already doing this in, in real life. Yeah, and it was funny because when we all graduated, you know, we kind of got our diplomas and it would say, did you get this with distinction? Like if you got high marks and I didn't graduate with distinction from uni, which also broke my poor parents' heart. I know I was going to say, whoa. Yeah, that's <laughs> not, a, not a day thing to do. But I was like, mum, dad, I've, I've got the job. You don't need it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm actually working full time now. So I, yeah, did part time work basically throughout my entire three year degree. And then I went straight into full time work after that. And I just loved it. And yeah, I had no plan B and mm. I was so obsessed with it that I would like print out, oh, this is really dorky. I, I love it. I Dish would up. print <laughs> out like the editors of each magazine's name. So I kind of knew the editorial staff because it's all about the connections to pitch your media stories for your clients. Yeah, for sure. And I had that in my bedroom. No, that's so, <laughs> it's so um, like you just had so much initiative. Like even the fact that you called up the owner of the agency after an internship and were yeah. like, I, and even that you structured your degree around what was going to set you up to be in that firm. Like it's just so, yeah, so forward thinking. And I love that. And I think like one of the questions that we got on our little um, social media <laughs> call out that we did today was, you know, what advice do you have for someone who's studying media or PR or management, which mm. is a very competitive, very difficult world to crack into. And I think 
those are the things that made you stand out. Yeah, and I, I had such urgency, which I don't know why. Again, looking back, young Jen needs to calm down, 2.0. <laughs> yeah. but you still haven't calmed down. Though. Yeah, I actually haven't calmed down. <laughs> but no, I had so much urgency. I'm like, I have to do this now to get my dream job to be where I want to be at 30 yeah. or at 50, whatever. And so I thought I just have to go above and beyond because it is competitive and I want to be better than the person next to me. Mm. And I'm really competitive as a person by nature. So I kind of harnessed that and had this kind of fire in my belly that just helped me keep on going to get ahead. Yeah. And I, it was also that married with the fact that I just genuinely loved it. Yeah. So when we'd get coverage in the media for my clients, like I would take that home with me, like physically take the newspaper home and be like, oh, I did this. And I was so proud. Yeah. So I think that was a really great combination to be young and in love with what you do. Such a good combination. Yeah. And I loved, you know, I read that what you originally, one of the things you might have thought that you wanted to do is be a celebrity journalist for OK Magazine, <laughs> but you kind of ended up being very closely connected to that yeah. anyway. Isn't that odd? I think so I always odd. loved pop culture mm. and I loved consuming the media, which back then was like Dolly Magazine or OK Magazine. Oh, oh Dolly Magazine. Girlfriend. It was, remember those days? Yeah, I'd like save up all my pocket money and buy the magazine and read about like, you know, Brad and Jen. Lip smackers, which new flavours were out. Exactly. (laughs) How to wear low-rise jeans. Um, We're still reading about Brad and Jen, by the way. Like nothing's changed. (laughs) Things come full circle. I know. Oh, that's so cool. So then you had six years, was it, at the agency? Six years. It's a long time in PR. People don't really last that long usually. Oh, people don't last that long in any career no. these days. So that's a good stint. <laughs> yeah. But I also think like the fact that you then had another chapter, again, is just exactly what this podcast is all about. The idea that you don't have to see the full staircase when you take the first step. And mm-hmm. you might not have necessarily thought that you were going to be in a PR agency forever, but yeah. I don't think you had any idea what you do instead. So talk us through just quickly what the agency side was like and when you started to get that itch of maybe I could do something different, like maybe I could go out on my own. Yeah. I mean, agency life, especially for PR, is crazy. It's really high pressure and high stress all the time and it's fast paced. Mm. So you need to continuously be getting coverage for your clients like nonstop. Mm. And when you're not with your clients planning or planting a story you're then like planning an event for them or trying to organize, you know, another piece of coverage. So, and the thing about it that I like with my job now is that right now things are guaranteed. So we can guarantee an Instagram post to go live or an event attendance, whether in PR, it's like you might pitch it and it might make it in the paper and you just cross your fingers and hope. Mm. So it was like, you had to work extra hard to make something happen. And even then the story could be pulled last minute for, you know, a random flood in Jamaica or whatever's happening in the news cycle, like your story can get bumped. Yeah, it's super volatile. So it was, yeah, really fast paced and nothing was ever guaranteed, which I found difficult. Um, As a goal-oriented person. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hard to have moving like goalposts all the time. Yeah. But I think what I loved about it was based on relationships, you could really thrive. So if you had great relationships with the media or with back then it was bloggers before influencers kind of existed, you could then have almost that guaranteed coverage. Mm. And so that was really great. I think seeing those building blocks of my mini PR career kind of take place and realizing that I was, yeah, harvesting the fruits of my labor that I put in place six years prior. Mm. Um, And we were working with massive brands like Crown Hotels and, you know, the Versace Hotel and Aurora Spa. And so people- You met Snoop Dogg, didn't you? Well, 
The Snoop Dogg story is a fun one. <laughs> so Snoop Dogg was staying at the Palazzo Versace Hotel on the Gold Coast and he decided to do some wonderful contemporary art. On the walls, right? Like oh, On like a canvas. Oh, he, I thought he did it in the oh, – okay, He yeah. brought his own canvas for some reason and he did this random like acrylic painting and he put like the ash of his – marijuana cigarette over the top of it <laughs> wow <laughs> of his doobie i probably should say yeah that. <laughs> that's and not he, what it's called yet. <laughs> yeah and he signed it and he just left it there and so the general manager of the hotel was like what do we do with snoop dogg's painting and we're like oh well, we'll auction off for charity and do a big pr piece and so we happened to be on the gold coast with our client anyway so i got to hang out with um like the gm there and the big painting and do all these like press around it and we made like twenty thousand dollars for charity and then snoop dogg's manager messaged us and got really mad about it but he left it there exactly we were like snoop what did you want us to do and you didn't keep the money no it went to charity of course oh gosh so we had some fun crazy stories like that when you're like why is this my job this is nuts (laughs) how am i getting paid to you know sell snoop dogg's random painting (laughs) (laughs) i think that's also what's confusing to people on the outside who don't encounter PR events or, or, you know, press kits or whatever. Mm. I think it always looks so glamorous because they're the moments that do get press. You know, you've got Snoop Dogg's painting and making charity galas and blah, 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 and all the fun stuff. But I don't think that people understand that you're like packing papers, you're writing till midnight, you're getting stuff out. Like it's very gritty. It's very gritty. Yeah. And And you're getting yelled at a lot. Oh, I got yelled at a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I got yelled at a lot. I used to have a folder in my inbox of positive client emails. To had, go to? Yeah. I had this oh. one kind of nightmarish client who was quite nasty and was a bit like up and down. I was like, are you going to hug me or hit me today? I can't tell. Oh, yeah. And so when it was a nice email oh. from her, I'd file it away. Then when she was mean, I'd go and read the nice emails oh, being babe. like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's an interesting place. And I'm I hope it's changed since I've been in that field because I've been out of it for five years now, which is nuts. Gosh. Um, But, yeah, I kind of grew in that same agency to, I guess, the top of, like, the food chain there a little bit because I'd been there for so long and Mm. I had great relationships with all the clients and the media. And in in a small business, it's not – there isn't that much progression. So I kind of felt like there wasn't anywhere for me really to go. And the digital landscape was changing and the – industry itself was evolving and so I was really excited by this change and was like wow we should really harness this because you know these influences are being created everywhere and Mm. they have no idea what they're doing because none of us do it's new and they don't know what to charge for it so I kind of had this intel on the PR side and the client side of what it was worth and these influencers or bloggers traditionally were just doing it for free And that's kind of how I had the light bulb moment of day management. I thought, okay, there needs to be an interface here to negotiate this for them and prove their brand value because we have the ROI on our side. They need to be represented to be. On the other side. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, that is like a true gap in the market. Like before the market had even really emerged. Yeah. Of you just being so progressive and seeing like, oh, my God, someone's going to need that service. No one even knew that that would exist and now I'm just going to like start my own business and kill it, which is amazing. I mean, that was 2015. Which is nuts. And five years feels like in social media land, a hundred. 
Yeah, I mean, everything has changed. Yeah. There's a new app out. Like, there's a new platform every day. It's just nuts. And it feels so primitive looking back because there wasn't Instagram stories. There wasn't a business profile. You had no analytics and no reporting. Mm. It was like, hey, do you want to trust me and give me your marketing spend? And yeah. I'll give you a pretty photo. Like, we might even tag your brand. Yeah, we'll see. Though. There's no swipe up to shop. You can't do that. Like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I forgot how, like, how differently it began. So it was a side hustle first. Mm-hmm. You just had one talent. Yep. And you just started. So... How did you actually, you know, the the bit that I find the most interesting often is the bit where you have an idea and you go from nil to something because growing it is definitely hard, definitely scary, but it's actually making it a thing Mm. that's the hardest. And it felt so weird because I did it in secret in the beginning. Yeah, of course, because you're at work. Yeah, and I was also (laughs) like a little bit embarrassed, as strange as that sounds. Like it's quite vulnerable putting something out to the world and saying, hey, I'm doing this thing and it might not work. And also no one believes in it yet. Yeah, and it was so fresh and so new. And I often debate this in my head. I'm like, would it have been more beneficial if I started today when the industry is so ready for it Mm. and they're like throwing marketing budget at you and they love influencers, but then I wouldn't have been able to have these great talent from the grassroots up. And that's what I love about it is I got to kind of cherry pick people that I really believed in. Mm. And I've been on this journey with them for years and years like yourself. Yeah. So many of us, like almost all of us have been years. Like there's, I think that's such a credit to the way that you've been able to build your brand and your business is that firstly, we all trust you with our whole careers Mm. and our personal brands and our business brands, but also that it's been, you've been able to adapt enough that everyone stays like yeah it's amazing well that's the goal right yeah. like in it for the long haul it's like a marriage yeah oh. I know <laughs> how sappy so um, yeah so I mean a lot of people at the start of something face the fear of looking a bit silly and it might mm. not work but not many people face it in an industry where like the industry itself doesn't exist yeah and that's kind of why I did it in secret as well I think is I wanted to test the waters and that's why I just had one talent I was able to see is this even a thing? Is this going to work? And I was doing it before work on my lunch break, which in PR isn't a thing. We don't get lunch breaks. Yeah, I'm like, wait, (laughs) you eat at your desk. Yeah, I absolutely (laughs) did. Um, And then after work until like midnight. And that's even things like writing up the website copy because I had to build a website from scratch and had to figure out how to get an ABN. And I took a few like annual leave days here and there to like take meetings with potential talent to try and sign them. So I'd have to get a leave day, take a sick day and use that to do other work. And looking back, I'm like, how the hell did I do that? <laughs> I, I don't know. But it kind of, and it's funny, I got a few jobs here and there and I was like, this is crazy. Like this is a thing. People are wanting this. And they were saying, well, you're great to deal with. Who else do you represent? And I didn't have anyone. <laughs> uh, lots of people. I was um, like, I will get back to you in a week. Yeah. So I and of, now I have two more people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I kind of went scouting and then word went out that there was this new agency in Melbourne and there really weren't that many people doing it, which is uh, yeah, it was great to launch that time. It was quite strategic in hindsight. but mm. Well, that's why when you said like if you juggle whether you think now or then was a better time, I think it's so perfect that you started then because mm. now you do have like five years un- behind you of testing and yeah. figuring out what works and what doesn't. And and now it's like second nature where yeah. I had a lot of time to learn it as the industry was learning it. And yeah. I think that was a really cool like growth experience for everyone. I was figuring out how to learn this skill that I had no training in. Mm. I have no sales background. I have no management background. I only had PR and I worked at the one place my entire life. <laughs> I had no job growing up. I wasn't allowed to have a part-time job during school. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so you were just so green. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I didn't know. even know that. 
Like, I mean, I, I never, knew, but I wanted I didn't... to work at like Subway or Boost Juice to like meet boys because all my nice. friends had really cool guy friends from their, you know, jobs at Maccas. <laughs> but no, studying was my job. Oh, babe. <laughs> I know. Which also is what a luxury and what a privilege. Thank you, mum and dad. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. But oh, yeah, I totally get it. Even more uh, impressive, I think, then that you'd been able to navigate having only one job and then taking a leap because you weren't accustomed to change no. in the workplace and, and to self-teaching while the industry was self-teaching it's not even like there were resources out there because no one had done it before and I think I was kind of searching for someone to be like oh I'll teach you this or I'll Mm. be your mentor and that person didn't exist because the industry was so new I was kind of at the forefront of it so Mm. I had no one to turn to and I was I launched on my 25th birthday so I was a little bubba and I kind of wanted some guidance and everything and then when you realize, no, you have to just do this on your own and it's sink or swim, so make it work. Yeah. That was almost so helpful for me because I'm like, okay, I'm just going to make it work. No plan B. No plan B. <laughs> and even like in today, I just don't really think I have a plan B, which works out well for me because you just make it work. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. And I think that is one of the things that I don't think people know how important that attitude is that Mm. if you do have a plan b you won't jump like there's a safety blanket all the time and it is kind of sometimes important to put all your eggs in one basket and just go for it and you know your parents pat everyone was a bit skeptical of like what are you doing yeah and it's it's funny because I started out earning my nine to five job with my side hustle that I was Mm. doing you know, out of hours and randomly weekends and everything. And so that's when I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. And I think looking back, it's almost lucky that I was single. It's before I met my partner. So I could be quite selfish with my time. And Mm -hmm. I had really understanding friends and family. I was like, all I can do in my free time is build this business. Yeah. And I'm going to devote 100% of myself into this. And then we're going to see where it goes and where it takes me. Oh, my gosh. And then I did six months of part-time, the PR job, and trying to day management on the side. And then I just went full-time day management because it just grew so quickly. And And hasn't stopped. It really hasn't stopped, (laughs) which is so great. But, yeah, wow, I'm tired. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Like, I need to sleep now. It's been five years. (laughs) So for those who aren't as familiar, like I think we take it for granted because we live in this world, but for those who aren't as familiar with how talent management actually works, can you explain, like, the nuts and bolts of what day does? Mm -hmm. And then how you think it's changed from kind of the very beginning to now? Like what, like, for example, you know, when you get a brief for me, mm-hmm. how do we, you know, take everyone through all the steps? Yeah. I mean, how I describe it in real layman's terms is like if it's Cinderella, I'm the fairy godmother. Absolutely. So I make Absolutely the talent the all beautiful and, you know, transform them. And then I send them off to the ball and they have a great time and I get to go home. I, I kind of <laughs> I kind of explain it as like, you know, people understand the idea that a singer or an actor has an yeah. agency and someone has to bridge the gap between the brands who want to work with the talent and the talent who wants to work with the brands. And someone has to be the person in between who figures out who wants what, when it's going to happen, how much it's going to cost, how it's going to fit in with everyone. And you're that, but for us. Yeah, it's it's kind of a mix of like three jobs because you're being an agent in terms of booking people gigs. Mm-hmm. You're negotiating as well, you know, money and fees and exclusivity contracts and owning assets in perpetuity, like all those fun legal terms and contracts. And then you're also doing brand management. So you're being a bit of their protector mm. and you're making sure that they don't do too much work that overexposes them or, you know, they can't work with two competing brands or how do you literally manage 
what they're doing to get to where they want to be. So it's this weird hybrid job, but we're literally that yeah interface between maybe an advertising agency or a brand and the talent. So we kind of figure out what should they be charging for this work? Um, what should they be doing in terms of deliverables? Is it an Instagram post? Are they attending an event? Are they hosting the event? Is it a photo shoot? And we're kind of managing their careers in that way. Mm. And it's exciting because I think in the beginning it was so literal. It was this person would do an Instagram post for this brand and that's all it was. Whether now it's a lot more creative in the sense of, well, this person can be a brand ambassador and what does that look like? It might be a photo shoot that appears in social advertising for the brand's page and their assets. They're posting about it. It might be a podcast ad, you know, cross-platform. might appear in their blog still. Um, it's It can be a, any kind of iteration of promotion now. Mm. And I think what I love about what we do at Day Management is we've really transcended from social media marketing or a social media talent agency to just a talent agency. Yeah. Because these people are the new celebrities, if you look at it that way. Like influencers have become these amazing authorities in this space. So it might mean, okay, well, we'll still negotiate a deal to have a promotional Instagram post, but let's get them on TV. Mm. Let's get them a book deal. Mm. And let's, you know, do something fun and have them hosting an event. Yeah. And it's real life examples and bringing it to life that is so much more than just Instagram. So much. And it's so interesting because I like I literally came to Jen at the beginning when I was starting to get a lot of work, like requests for, and much more discreet in terms of like, yeah, very literal. We would like you to do a post about blah. Uh, can you do it? How much does it cost? What, you know, how many should you do? And I'm just sort of in this world like, oh, <laughs> I literally just left law yesterday. Like I have no idea. Uh, and I was, and the admin and negotiation, it's very difficult to do that for yourself. And I was just feeling a bit lost in it all. And it was all very quick and crazy. And that's how we started on that kind of, job to job basis Mm. but then over time it's very much become like my whole brand like guys anything that you see that I do in any partnership with anyone and all the amazing evolving from a a business to a podcast and to hosting like all of those elements get run through day so we now go from like ABC job to at the start of every year it's like what do you want to focus more on what Mm. do you want to focus less on and what are your brand values and how do we make sure that it's an automatic no for these things and these an automatic yes for these things they're all aligned and it's become really like us all just handing over our whole personal brand and you building it out it's amazing beautiful people just popping in quickly to thank one of our major sponsoring partners american express for helping me continue to bring you your dose of yay since earlier this year we have been american express platinum business card members across several of our businesses making every dollar we spend more rewarding Expenses aren't always the most enjoyable part of doing business, but you can sweeten every dollar spent by earning membership rewards points along the way. You can earn up to 2.25 membership rewards points per dollar you spend to redeem on flights, which we have already made great use of, or even retail and entertainment rewards. You also get access to a dedicated account manager who can help with working capital solutions and help you get the most out of your card. Don't do business without the Platinum Business Card. More details in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. It's like brand strategy. And I think- But for a person. Yeah, but for a person Mm. because you are the spoonful of Sarah brand and the CZA brand. And so how do you look at that and make it, yeah, not transactional Mm. and have almost like sales without the sellout? Totally. Like that's, that's exactly what, what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the beauty of working with it, like a manager or an agent in that sense is you get the good cop and the bad cop and the talent can be protected and be that good cop. 
And then I, I don't really mind being the bad cop. That's okay. <laughs> no, you are 100%. Like, so that was one of actually my questions. In PR, like in your previous career, but also in any kind of creative talent-based industry, the, the person who is negotiating is the person who gets yelled at from both sides. If yeah. we're not happy, you get yelled at. If the brand's not happy, you get yelled at. And I know, and even back, how many years have we been together now? Like four? four? Yes, yeah. it's quite early on. Even back then, I knew my main gap for myself was I can't do hard phone calls. I can't ask <laughs> things for myself. I can't defend myself, but I also can't um, ask like the other way around if I'm being taken advantage of. Like I, mm. I'm just too, I'm just a pussy basically. <laughs> <laughs> how do you make hard phone calls? Like how do you negotiate? Is it because it's not on your behalf? Like is it because it's not your, like you can't do it for yourself, but you can for others? Yeah. I mean, I think as a person, I don't shy away from conflict personally that's just I don't mind it it's okay oh my god I admire that so much I'm so bad at it at all costs I'm like no (laughs) I think yeah I mean I try and take the emotion out of it and just look at it as facts Mm. so when you take the emotion out it's not about ego and it's not about a personal attack it's just okay well what's the issue here and how can we solve it Mm. and it's quite funny we do we are kind of like the punching bags in the middle and when you take the emotion out of that you just it doesn't hurt anymore. And I had to learn that the hard way because, mm. again, young gen starting out in this industry, brands, yeah, they love to kind of have a go and they're just trying to be on the behalf of their client. They're trying to do the best thing by them. And once you realize, okay, if I'm sitting in that person's shoes, why are they frustrated by this? Okay, they're just trying to be heard about XYZ. Mm. And, you know, you pick up the phone to them, they're just human too. And yeah. so it's kind of like diffusing the bomb sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah, I've never really minded having those tough conversations. And when it is just about facts and deliverables and contracting, it doesn't have to be about ego or emotion. Oh, my gosh, I think that's why you are so good at this. And for <laughs> anyone, you know, who wants to go in the industry or who is working towards a career in this industry, that's such good advice is take the emotion out of it. There are ways to cope with mm. those conversations in a way that doesn't kind of eat you up. <laughs> and it, it can eat you up and it is tough. And I think you have to have a thick skin to thrive and survive in it and when you realize that that's just your role sometimes and sometimes that's included in the grievance fee which is yeah. what I've spoken to you about before it can be really tough but that's the job and it's what I signed up for yeah. so I'm just going to take it on the chin and deal with it oh you're amazing at it and now I mean you've just hit such incredible goals of growth as well how many girls do you have with you now well we've like just actually hired point. someone new which is exciting oh my god! yeah so it'll be a team of five and you've Got a new office. Yeah, I've got a brand new office. Bought the building. Yeah. <laughs> that was a goal of mine last year, I think. I was like, how do I make my own day management HQ? And also it's a great tax break. So, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, well, that's another question is as you grow, I think, you know, there's always a lot of business stories and building a business and building a brand and, and changing your career. And it's so, so inspiring. But not many people talk about financially setting yourself up for the future either. Mm. So there's two questions here. One of them was from our Instagram chat, which was about the sustainability of the industry and whether or not that's stressful for you or whether you worry about it or how you feel about that continual volatility of the industry. But Mm. secondly, then how do you grow financially when you're running your own business? Because that's probably the hardest bit 
Like, yes, motivation is hard. Yes, the actual awareness and brand spreading is difficult, but like staying afloat yeah. is so hard with staff and rent and oh, wages. And no one ever pays the invoices. No. Any oh. clients listening to this, please pay your invoice. Uh. Oh, my God. Anyone anywhere. Like yeah. in all my businesses, I'm always like, wow, I have no monies. I have money. Yeah. I've earned money. I'm not receiving the money on the time that I need it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's so weird. I just pay my invoices straight away because I'm like, I don't want to think I have that yes. money. Me too. Yeah. That's not my money. Get it out of my account. Yeah, otherwise I'll double count it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, obviously everyone doesn't operate that yeah. way. <laughs> We're just free. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah. how did you even build to the point of buying the building? Like it's yeah. just it's a huge, huge milestone. You're think, incredible. Thank you, my love. I think that um for me, I like tangible goals and like hitting targets. Mm. And I also really enjoy saving money. And one of those weird people that almost like hitting a savings goal feels just as good as buying something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. That's what I want to, you know, aim towards that. And I kind of set myself that goal in June last year. And then by November, we'd moved in. So, oh my God. Yeah, she I, moves I, fast. I, I, yeah, I really do <laughs> act fast. It's a problem that I need to deal with. No, um, not at all. <laughs> but yeah, I think that for me, the volatility I'm not concerned about anymore. And in the beginning, I was very concerned about it because, mm. again, it was so new, it wasn't proven. And, you know, my lovely parents in steadfast industries, they were worried about that as well. And I kind of said to them, I'm like, if I can't pay my rent and do this, like, what do I do? And their advice was like, well, if you can't pay your rent, what are you doing? That's not a viable business option. Mm. And so, again, no plan B, make it work. And then you kind of realize that in this industry, marketing spend has to go somewhere. So it's not like we had to carve out new money or new spend for our influencers. They were just redevoting it to that area. And so they were taking it away from magazines or traditional above-the-line advertising or radio and giving it to us in podcasts and in Instagram and I think our success is, and if you can say success about yourself, but yeah, our you growth. absolutely can. <laughs> it's so weird that we all don't like using that word. I know, but it sounds really It's exactly what it is. No, but it's not at all. I think, yeah, our success has been, you know, if you look at what we've done differently, it's been agile. Mm. And so 12 months ago, we launched the podcast arm and that's largely thanks to you because <laughs> you started a podcast, you were so ahead of the trend. And then we realized, okay, this is a really cool thing to add to what we're currently offering. Mm. So then I approached the Shameless Podcast Girls, who we love, and we signed them to the agency and dipped our toe even more in the water about podcast advertising. Mm. And so we were adding that to our repertoire as well. And so that helped us grow in revenue without having to really do anything else that differently. Yeah. And I love that about you as well. Like that's part of the way that we've all developed together with you is when I did randomly just go, like, I've got nothing to do with audio or anything and radio or anything. I was like, I just think that I really want to do a podcast and you were on it straight away. Like, okay, well, I don't know how to do podcast advertising, you know, like we don't (laughs) do that yet, but uh, let's work on a strategy. Let's work on all your existing partnerships. Can we integrate that? You know, like you're very on board with movement and change and it was so easy. Like you were like, okay. And then within like three months, you're like, I'm an expert now. Like I've, we've got five other podcasts, like we're ready to go. And it's, I think definitely one of the things that's given you so much longevity, but also makes you not need to worry necessarily about the future. And I don't worry about it because like I get asked that question on the influencer side as well. Like if you're, you know, I know, you know, I have businesses, but if we ever moved on from those or like kind of sold them or whatever, if we had an exit strategy, like, would you be worried that your whole career is based off this like internet platform yeah and I'm 
not worried ever. I'm no. like either we'll evolve with it or we'll find something else. Like totally. I, I think the last five years have proved that so much that it's a growth industry. Mm. And while a lot of what we do is still Instagram oriented, that's changed so much in how we approach it and how we look at it and how we communicate that to brands as well. And now they're, you know, banging our door down wanting to do stuff mm. on podcasts and Instagram. And that's so cool in itself. So we got to grow with the industry. And, you know, even with our talent, we signed them when they were a lot smaller. Now they're a lot bigger. So the same amount of work would get more results from that financially because, you know, our cut would be larger. Mm. But it's the same time and effort negotiating and facilitating that whole deal. So I think it's been, yeah, kind of growing with the industry, but then also being able to be agile when it does adapt and change and moving with it. And that's the exciting part. Yeah, it is so exciting. You never get to just rest on your laurels because there's always something next. What do you think is your next big milestone or goalpost? Or is there a new, you know, is like TikTok going to be something that we need to add? Because I'm actually just personally asking, <laughs> do I need to get a TikTok account because I can't deal with it? Yeah. But like, yeah, what what are your next new decade of goals and movement of the industry, do you think? Yeah, it's quite interesting. TikTok, I think we're all, oh, are we too old for TikTok? I'm, I'm way sure. too old for TikTok. That's why I'm like, please reassure me that yeah. I don't need to get TikTok. <laughs> it's funny because there's been all these new developments in different apps along the way and we kind of like wait and see. Mm. Well, we watch and see, is this commercial, is it brand safe as well? And yes. how does that evolve? And then if it's something we're going to jump on, we need to pick the right people to jump on it with as well. So yeah, TikTok's huge at the moment. It's like, I don't know, 500 million users, something crazy. Oh but is it brand safe or is it you know, easy. Sustainable. To, yeah, totally. Mm. So I don't know. I don't really set big brand goals. I set personal goals in what we want to do in like turnover. And again, I like that because it's tangible and it's a figure you can hit. Mm. Otherwise you're like, what is success? It's yeah. so open-ended. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I just want to grow my team and watch the industry. And if we're going to add another TikTok arm, maybe we'll do that next. Yeah. Or who knows who could come next. Yeah, I think as well, like my passion kind of comes full circle in the sense that I loved doing performing and TV and everything growing up. And so it's like, well, maybe we'll get our talent as the new celebrities on TV yeah. or more book deals or that evolution from being an influencer to a media personality. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. All right, so we've covered a few of these, but the next section is called NATA, which is pretty much all the challenges along the way. And the main one that I like to focus on because I think it's the most common is self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Not having a plan B, pushing yourself out. I mean, every, every ingredient possible on in your career so far <laughs> has been like such an ingredient for self-doubt, the uncertainty, and then also that leads into another common one, which is burnout and how you've mm. been able to pace yourself through holding up your own fort. Talk us through those challenges. Like how when you first went out pitching and you were a young female and you owned your own business, you know, how do you get through those moments of self-doubt? Oof, and there's been a lot. I think especially in the beginning, as you always say, comparison is the thief of joy and Mm. comparison really got me. Like I think being fresh and having other agencies that had just started as well, I was like pacing myself against them, but they might've had financial backing of a different company behind them or, Mm. you know, completely different kettle of fish. You can't really compare that, but that was where the self-doubt came from in the beginning. Definitely. I was like, why did they get that job? And I didn't get that one. Mm. And it's so visual, like, you know, you might pitch for a job and they say, oh, no, next time. Then you see it go live and someone else has tagged that brand and you know who's got that over you. Yeah. And so that was really, really hard. Um, I think, yeah, I just had to keep on going. And, again, just being tenacious was really the key to success here. But all the time I was like, who am I to run a business? 
Like yeah. who gave me the right? Yeah. Which is such a bizarre train of thought. But it's almost the first one yeah. that your brain goes to is like, I don't deserve this. I don't know anything. Like yeah. what, why are you giving me money? I don't I don't understand. I I should just quit soon because <laughs> like, you know, you just totally you, you double guess all your decisions, you double guess your talents and your skills and your abilities, and then the responsibility of like other people's livelihood you know well that was a big part of it as well I think and even recently like when we first moved into the office building that I bought and that I love and we put a massive day management sign on the wall I was like who am I to have a big sign with my name on it like what the hell I don't don't deserve that (laughs) what have I done to have this place and this sign everything the sign triggered me (laughs) I don't know why the sign triggered me but yeah yeah, I think I love the sign it's my favorite part of the whole building now I love the sign (laughs) but yeah it was really strange I think I was looking sideways way too much in the beginning and that was where yeah it bred a lot of self-doubt in me and Mm. then also the fact that a lot of my influences went full-time which Mm. is great it showed the industry there was plenty of work it's an ecosystem and you could kind of all complement rather than competing against one another which is great but then if they weren't getting any work they might turn to me and be like well where are my jobs yeah. And I felt a lot of pressure with that as well, which is hard sometimes because, you know, if they can't pay their rent, is that my fault? Yeah. Are they producing the right content or am I not selling it right? Like where does that liability sit as well? And also in an industry where it especially was quite new back in 2015, you wouldn't get as many jobs now or people just weren't ready. Yeah. And I think I that weighed quite heavily on me. Of course. Yeah. Of course it did. And I think like the nature of it as well is that you have to be contactable at all hours that the jobs are going live, which is often on the weekend mm-hmm. or like late at night or we're at an event and we're texting like, Jen, quick, what are my deliverables? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. do I have to do this tag? And like it's so urgent that like how did you – develop boundaries and oh, I, I, have I still none. don't think you have any no. like how do you not burn out and how do you take breaks and you know manage your own priorities outside of your business yeah and I think again I invested so much into it in the beginning and that I was okay with no boundaries yeah and then I set a precedent of having no boundaries and even now <laughs> if you go through like my text history there's like <laughs> the first 10 people are all work related and then you might get like my boyfriend then my mum like that's yeah, kind at of the end yeah. after my 55 million messages yeah like, totally this 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 idea <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even always work stuff sometimes it's like a normal text or you know a meme or something it's funny and it's the relationship like and I love that that we're all so close like a family like please do text me on a Sunday I want to hear from you that's fine mm. but yeah no boundaries are in place there and in the beginning I kind of thrived with that as well a little bit it was almost the reward yeah and I almost felt like looking back, I was the chokehold in the growth of my business though because I didn't want to let go and I wanted it just to be me. And I thought, yeah. well, people sign on for me to deal with it and so I'll just do everything myself. Yeah, and I remember I, that. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, I remember you were just like, I need someone to help. I need another person. Are you okay if yeah. we hand over some? I'm like, oh, my God, please do. And I almost thought that was a sign of weakness, yeah. which is so stupid. Yeah. And then now I'm so empowered by my team and I love empowering them to do a good job as well. But I had to learn to delegate and hand things over. And even like up until a year ago, I was doing all the invoicing myself. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, why was I doing that myself? I don't know. Yeah, but again, all your books and stuff. Yeah, it was a control thing, and it was like a quality control thing as well. Yeah. So, handing that over has helped me a lot with boundaries as well, and being like, okay, that person's on top of it. I don't need to be CC'd, or I don't need to look over that anymore. Yeah, I trust that they. Yeah, they can do it. 
Yeah. So a lot of trust in those boundaries. And once I did let go, the irony was the business grew. Yeah. So I was holding on so tightly that I was actually strangling it and strangling Mm. its potential. And then I always said it would just be me. And now there's five of us and it's thriving. And it feels really good to say that. And I love when I see things go live and I'm like, oh, that's a beautiful Mimco post. I didn't even know we were doing that. I had no idea that was us. And the girls are like, yep, that's it's all done. Yeah, I've been working on it for months. Babe. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> there are so many things that go through that I'm like, you're not even part yeah. of any of the emails. And that's like the beauty, I think, for me is not having a fingerprint on it and still having the same quality if I'd done it myself. Mm. And I love that. And I love that the girls who work for me then feel like they can be really proud of that too. And that's yeah. really beautiful, I think. Absolutely. Let's give them all a shout out. Yeah. Who do you want to shout out? Oh, my gosh. Hey, Ella. And like, this is so live. <laughs> this is like those radio shows. It's like I know. love song dedications. No, my wonderful team. We've got Ella, Morgan, and Anna as well at the moment. And then Sarah in accounts. And a new girl, Priya, starts on Monday. Love you, girls. How exciting. Oh, so exciting. <laughs> so does that mean, leading into the next section, that in your – kind of evolution as a businesswoman and realizing that you do, you sometimes are the lifeblood of your business and then you're sometimes literally its worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Same as for our own personalities and our own lifestyles. Do you think that that delegation has made time for play TA? And do you, I I know that, you know, part of the start of a business is having no separation. That's Mm. just what it takes. And that's absolutely fine because it's a compromise that you're willing to make to begin with. But we're both five years on and there comes a point where you're like, well, I do have a partner and I do have like stuff that's, you know, you might hang out with a lot of us, but you want our hangout time to be separate to your work time. Mm. Like what makes you yay and do you make time for it and how do you make time for it? Yeah, I think in the last even six months, it's changed a lot as well. And I've made more time for it consciously before, because if you don't set those boundaries, it'll just seep into everything. Mm. And also because again, I enjoy it and I really love it. And so sometimes I want to be doing it at all hours of the night. Yeah. There's no incentive. Yeah. And it's not always healthy or helpful when that happens. So when I'm more strict with myself, like, okay, leave the office at, you know, seven o'clock and go home and then don't do any more work. That's your work done for the day. Then I realize, okay, I'm actually happier and more rested and better at my job the next day Mm. so I needed to be stricter with myself and it was funny when we first got the new office I loved it so much that I just wouldn't go home (laughs) well because the sign the beautiful I mean, sign. Why would glowing. you go anywhere? Else? And Pat would like call me, and he's like, "Hey, it's nine thirty. You're going to come home soon." And I was Jen. like, "Oh, oh yeah, sorry. I'll I'll get in the car now. I'll bring my sign with me." Yeah, <laughs> and I just I liked being there, and I was happy at work. And so it's always like a double edged sword with that as well. And I mm. have the most understanding partner, and he's so great, and That's he great. Pat's the best, and he just lets me be obsessed with my job. Mm. And there are some times where I come home from work, and I'm just like comatose on the couch. I'm like, I cannot even think about cooking. And he's like, that's cool. And he'll make dinner and he'll take care of that. And he, yeah, he understands if I just want to talk about it all the time or if I say to him, I cannot talk about this. I can't do it at all. So he's really understanding, which is great. Um, And, yeah, I think the burnout is getting better because of those boundaries and Mm. because of the team as well now. Yeah. And I think the goal for anyone in their small business is to not have to do everything themselves Mm. but still, yeah, maintain that quality and that value so I'm trying to build it so I can almost step away a little bit and oversee everything but not be involved in the nitty-gritty in the trenches as much. Yeah, totally. And you've earned it, like, well <laughs> well and truly. <laughs> well, I'm still still trying to get there. And it's, it is hard because, yeah, I love being on the tools myself but I know I'll have to step away to let it grow and then also to let myself have a break. Yeah, there's 
really a lot of overthinking and self-talk that goes into even just making good decisions for yourself. Like I don't think I fully understood before I went into business just how much brain crap there is really Mm. of us like trying to make the right decisions but you're fighting the fact that you want to keep working and you're like should I listen to my body because it's saying I want to do this but then should I listen to my brain which is saying even if you want to you need a break like it's just yeah it's just volume of thoughts and like it's no one's really telling you what the right decision is it's yeah. very hard and there's no one there saying it's okay if you take a sick day yeah I'm like what the hell is a sick day oh I don't even who even knows no I mean like the first day in probably the four years that we've been together that I said like yeah. can I please reschedule something it's the first time I've ever done that, I reckon, mm. in four years. I know. Only be- incredible. No, only because I, like, fully had a breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> four that's, years later. That's when we know it's time to stop. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever say no otherwise. Yeah. But it is crazy because I think that you want to keep on going to feed the beast, but then you realise the beast can also feed itself now, which is yeah. great. Amazing. But, yeah, I'm still trying to implement those learnings. Even, like, we're trying to plan a trip to Europe for Pat's 30th with all of his friends. And I'm like, I can't go to Europe. I don't have two weeks. Yeah. Like, who do you think I am? Yeah. What kind of luxury is uh, annual leave? Yeah. Oh my God. What do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean a holiday? It, I don't know. And everyone's like, dude, we'll be fine. You go. And also, you you can do it from anywhere, even if you were working. But yeah. you can all you have a beautiful team that could more yeah. than survive. You yeah. I'm Last still time. I'm still protesting it at the moment, so we'll see. But it's that like yeah, in a doubt and almost like. I don't know, I want to lead the best example for everybody, mm. my talent and my team as well, that like I'm there and I'm working hard on your behalf because mm. you've trusted me with your brand and your personal image and everything. So I don't want to be seen to be gallivanting in Europe. Isn't that so interesting yeah. that even the fact that we use the word gallivanting yeah, for a like much needed break, mm. that you, your first one in like five years, yeah. I think that's one of the other things that we grapple with so much is guilt. It's like so much guilt. you get your whole identity wrapped up in like your output and the image of being a hard worker and then when you're not working, you're like, I'm shit. Like yeah. am I a good person? Like what kind of example am I setting for people? But I think burning yourself out sets a worse example. Yeah, for sure. Mm. And even last week I had to leave work early to go to my psych appointment because I think it's so important to have that in check and like mate that's where all my money goes yeah seriously (laughs) it should have been a psychologist yeah (laughs) and I was like clinically diagnosed with anxiety at 15 before it was cool and before it was like see she's so pioneering in every industry I know (laughs) and people didn't have anxiety back then you just were carrying on and like having a panic attack oh yeah just calm down exactly don't make a fuss please yeah make a scene Genevieve and I was like okay I can leave work at 3 30 to go to this appointment and I, I was so like guilt-ridden for doing that and then I was in the waiting room doing emails and I couldn't take a phone call because I was sitting in this waiting room and the doctor made me wait for 10 minutes and I almost lost it because I was like I had to leave my commitments to be here and you couldn't be on time for me yeah and she's like hey let's unpack that yeah (laughs) so let's talk about this yeah she's like so you're crazy (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) you're like that's why I'm here please come back next week (laughs) but yeah it's it's, the guilt for me is a massive yeah nature and I'm still dealing with that yeah, and I think it is. It's an all. It's an ongoing part of the process, and balance is, you know, this like ongoing journey, not a destination. Yeah. Or if it is, I'm definitely not there. Yet. <laughs> I've never been there. No. <laughs> when you do take time off, what do you do other than uh, the uh, podcast about yeah. TV shows? 
Office Ladies is the podcast. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I feel <laughs> By the like, way, that's not a Genevieve Day managed podcast. No, that's I just wish. Hashtag not sponsored, just good. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. It's a Gemma Watts hashtag. Yeah. Repurpose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I watch a lot of TV. I really enjoy it. Amazing. And I feel like my brain is so active all the time during the week and even some weekends that when I'm at home or when I'm trying not to do anything, I want to literally not do anything. Absolutely. And again, I have a really supportive network of friends and partner and family who understand that I'm like, I actually can't come to your birthday drinks. Like I am spent. I have nothing left to give. And I'm so social in my job, in meetings and events and hanging out with the talent and with clients that I don't have any socializing left in me sometimes. Oh, I get it. That was was my breakdown. Yeah. (laughs) Like this week was from too many weekends of stuff. Yeah, totally. So I think that sometimes I like to literally sit on the couch and just watch heaps of TV, like whatever is on offer, mm-hmm. I will watch it. Like I just finished Spinning Out on Netflix. It's Oh, I haven't watched it It's yet. good. And I just watched Horse Girl, which is a really weird movie about like alien abductions. That sounds like a weird movie. <laughs> yeah, but it was so weirdly bizarre. And then, again, because I'm a loser. Um, what afterwards- This is also where we get along well. Yeah. I like to like research all the reviews for it. Of and I you do. read like what went into making it and what, is it, what do the critics think about this? <laughs> and does their opinion match mine? Let me get a lay of the land. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let's unpack this. Even your relaxation is highly organized. I know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and then, yeah, I, tr- I try and balance it out with like maybe walking the town with a girlfriend or, yeah, I have a really great group of friends, which mm. is lovely and I find that really nice because I can go there and they don't care what I do. Yeah. Like they don't think it's fun and shiny. It's just a job. Yeah. Which is so healthy for me. Because mm. I think when I was younger in this industry as well, I thought that I was like the shit. I was like, I'm going to cool parties and I'm going to be in the birdcage and like, look who I'm hanging out with. Yeah. And that's not healthy. And it's like such a side effect at the beginning of getting, because, you know, it is. It's very special. It's very VIP at the beginning. But yeah. I, it's, I think it's important to keep grounded and have friends who, don't actually give a bar about that whole world yeah. to remind you like it's not important to everyone. <laughs> it's just or this really small anyone. subsection of society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was a nice like balancing act for me as well to realize that oh, they're just people too in mm. that shiny, sparkly world and mm. they have insecurities and they're, you know, they've got self-doubt as well. And so it makes everyone more human. And so, yeah, it was nice hanging out with them and I can choose not to enter the scene as much now that my business is set up. It doesn't rely on me going to a restaurant opening or a movie premiere, yeah. which is, again, what a luxury. Yeah. Whether I so felt much. so much pressure to go to things at the start and it's probably great that I did to get the name out there. But now, yeah, to answer your question on weekends, hanging out with people that just do not care mm. about that world is so refreshing. Mm, amazing. Yeah. Wow. Second last question just to finish up. What are the three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation? Ooh. Hmm. I mean, the musical thing comes up all the time, but that's usually my fun fact. That's a great fun fact. Yeah. But I'm going to need two more. (laughs) And you know this. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Why didn't I prep for this? I prepped for everything else. I know you've got notes for and highlighted notes. Oh, God. Obviously, me being a loser is one of them. Do you no, have any, like weird party tricks? Um, I can do the splits. And That's that, a good one. That comes out quite a lot, unfortunately. Great. Not at your wedding, thank God. No, I'm surprised actually. It probably Someone almost else did. did the splits though. Oh, wow. Mm. It was a fun night. It was a great evening. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, the dancing does come up a lot, which is funny because 
I just, yeah, I love that. I love the whole musical theatre world and I did that for a long time in my life. So that is a dirty secret of mine that brings me so much joy. That's like wide out in the open now. Yeah, I know, not that secretive <laughs> at all. Also, it takes her nil convincing to like get her back into that mode, by the way. I'm like, Jen, Jen, she's like, if I must. Oh, my gosh, at your live show with the microphone. No. <laughs> yeah. I was like passing around the microphone for Q&As because, you know, management behind the scenes, you know, fairy godmother, not Cinderella. Yeah. And then, she was absolutely Wheel of Fortune. I, know, like, I was like, all right, back row. Who's got a question for me? <laughs> like just hamming it up so much. Everyone's like, Jen, calm down. Calm down. See, she still hasn't calmed down. No. But that's what we love about you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's only two. What's my other party trick? Pet hate. Yeah, pet peeve. Um, or like do you speak language or uh um, oh. Do you hate something about Pat? Does he hate something about you? I'm sure he hates a lot of things about me. <laughs> Do you snore? Are you messy? Like anything? Oh, I'm really, really messy. No. Yes. So my at home we have a two-bedroom place in South Yarra and <laughs> one of them is like just my room. <laughs> So nice. I pass on a lot in there. It's just my space. And it's such a <laughs> poor Pat. I know. Oh my gosh. That's actually a running joke with my friends and I. We go hashtag poor Patrick. Yeah. Um, it's I'm, a thing. I'm really fun and I'm a lovely partner, I promise. No, I know. And he's, yeah, <laughs> she's amazing. Amazing, amazing human being. But the room is such a representation of like my mental state. So if it's messy, I'm like chaotic. overwhelmed. I'm chaotic. Everything needs a bit of work. Or if it's really beautiful <laughs> and clean, I'm like, cool, I'm on top of things. I got this. I'm the same. Yeah. So sometimes, and I had to clean it over the weekend, but I'd had like old like bottles in there and like old food and like dirty socks lying on the floor. Yeah, that's crazy town. Yeah, Yeah. I'm pretty messy. That's so interesting. Yeah. I feel like you're so orderly. In my work life, everything is under control. I yeah, have, okay. Yep, I have a grasp on everything. Yeah. Once I leave that, my life is a mess in yeah. a fun, you know, contrast to everything else. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great one because I wouldn't have picked that. Yeah. Maybe that should be a new question. What does your bedroom look like? I'm a grub. Basically. Yeah, I'm a grub too. Yeah. A massive grub. And I'm the same. Like I'm like totally on top of it or meet all my deliverables and like mm-hmm. and I'm like, Jen, I'm under control. Like and I'll submit everything. But at home, everything, like all the stuff I've had to take photos of is like packets everywhere. Yeah. And like just crap all over the place, like mountains of clothes. I've and- been known to leave like a dirty keep cup in my car for too long that it grows mold sometimes. Oh, babe. Yeah, yeah. I do that too though. I, I'm like, yeah, I know. I've got some tips for how yeah. to get rid of the mold. Oh, God. <laughs> and Lunching. final question. Since I love quotes so much, what's your favorite quote? Ooh, I think going back to one that I borrowed from you before is just, yeah, comparison is the thief of joy. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that because I think when you put the blinkers on yourself a little bit, you thrive so much in your own lane and especially in our world, yeah, it's such an ecosystem. There's so much work for everyone. Mm. You don't need to be competing or watching what they're doing. And even if someone looks really glamorous and like they're killing it, you don't know what their P&L says. Yeah. You don't know if they're actually in the red or what the culture is like of that company. Mm. So you can never understand the full picture from what something projects to the world. So there's no point comparing it to what could be a false image. Absolutely. What a beautiful way to finish. Thank you so much for joining and for everything you do for us all the time, Aww. every day, to make our lives possible and our careers possible. Thank you for having me on. You can probably tell why we've been so comfortable and privileged to have our personal brands and careers in Jen's hands. She is such a hardworking, forward-thinking force to be reckoned with. I love how day management focuses on building role models over models and allows us to express ourselves authentically while also building our careers in partnership with brands we align with. 
As always, please keep sharing the show and tag at Genevieve underscore day to give us some love. And if you have a moment to subscribe and or leave a review, I'd be so grateful for you sparing your time. I saw a little something the other day on the Shameless Podcasts page, another member of the Day Management family, that explains that it's subscribes and reviews that keep our shows on the charts so that others can discover them and we can continue offering our shows to you all for free, which was a very eloquent reminder I thought I'd share. So if you do have a minute, please do keep sharing the yay. Hope you're having an amazing week.